Hi, this is 10 Minutes to Better Patient Communication. I'm Dr. Anne-Marie Liebel. I've heard the term reflective practice mentioned a few times in the years I've been talking with physicians, medical educators, and public health professionals. I was talking recently about reflective practice with Dr. Tasha Wyatt from the Education Innovation Institute at the Medical College of Georgia. She said, Physicians are trained, very much so, to gather data to make decisions, and reflective practice is a way to slow down that process. Reflective practice is certainly a term that gets thrown around. If I could say one thing about the term reflective practice in my experience as an educator, it would not be a nice thing to say. If it feels like reflective practice has largely been a waste of your time, this episode is for you. Welcome to 10 Minutes to Better Patient Communication with Dr. Anne-Marie Liebel. Providing you with tips and strategies you can use to improve your patient engagement. Let me be clear. I am a reflective practitioner. I have spent most of my time in higher education trying to rescue reflective practice from its own bad reputation in my students' imaginations. And that's not to say this reputation is undeserved. From where I stand, there are some punitive, reductive, top-down things going on under the guise of reflective practice. If this describes some of your experiences, I don't blame you for groaning. Reflective practice is a broad umbrella term that covers many different understandings of and approaches to reflection and practice. In the health sector, there seems to be support of reflection as a skill. Health professionals all require critical thinking and problem-solving skills, and reflective practice has been used to support these. Reflection is used to increase metacognition. It's sometimes invoked as a way to connect theory to practice or to enhance communication. Professionals reflect in classes, in continuing education, or in communities of practice, alone, in dyads, or in small groups. One recent literature review points out the variation in what reflective practice means and how it's facilitated and assessed in medical education. Another literature review finds similar results in pharmacy education, pointing out the sometimes conflicting interpretations and applications of the term reflective practice, and I highly recommend both of these lit reviews for their references on reflective practice and health professions. Citations, of course, are in the show notes along with some other resources. Both of these lit reviews also cite Donald Schoen, whose highly influential books, The Reflective Practitioner and Educating the Reflective Practitioner, describe and analyze what Schoen calls reflection in action across multiple professions and professional contexts. Schoen explains why this is important. Quote, the problems of real-world practice do not present themselves to practitioners as well-formed structures. Indeed, they tend not to present themselves as problems at all, but as messy, indeterminate situations. Often, situations are problematic in several ways at once. These indeterminate zones of practice, uncertainty, uniqueness, and value conflict, escape the canons of technical rationality. It is just these indeterminate zones of practice, however, that practitioners and critical observers of the professions have come to see, with increasing clarity over the past two decades, 
as central to professional practice. What I want to share in this episode is a key tool in reflective practice. Questioning, or problem posing, as a way to begin to investigate and address these problems of real-world practice. Now, if I hear, what could you have done differently, posed as a reflective practice question one more time, I'll scream. So instead, I'm going to give you 12 prompts that you can ask yourself when you wish to engage in some critical reflection. These questions are designed to get at your taken-for-granted beliefs and actions, things that tend to slide by, invisible, barely noticed. They encourage you to question structures, processes, and practices, accepting your current arrangements not as given or natural, but as, well, created by humans, and politically and historically situated. These questions are aimed at those times when you are educating, a patient, a client, a student, but they can have broader applicability. Overall, they're designed to encourage you to take a critical view of the customary practices and conventional roles enacted during education in your practice context. After each, there always is a follow-up question. What implications does your answer have for your practice? In other words, why might this matter to you and your work with patients, clients, or students? Now I'm going to refer to patients, but please understand I mean students and clients as well. All right, here we go. Number one, which patients tend to draw your attention? Why do you think this is? Which patients tend to escape your notice? Why do you think this is? Number two, are there patients you find it difficult to get along with, or relate to, or reach? How do you feel about this? Number three, what information or knowledge are you assuming patients have when they meet with you? Where would they have acquired this knowledge or information? How have you responded when they do not appear to have this knowledge or information? Number four, what's presenting a challenge to you recently when it comes to patient education that you did not think would present a challenge? Number five, did anything a patient did or said surprise you this week? What was it? Why was it surprising to you? What would it be like if your patients surprised you more often? Have you surprised yourself lately? How? Number six, what's going on around you that piques your curiosity this week that you'd like to give more time and attention to if you could? Number seven, the next time you meet with a patient, how are you talking to this person? What do you tend to think of people from that social group? How might your conversational dynamics be reflecting some unconscious biases or stereotypes? Number eight, if you broke down the time you spent this week on different tasks and put it on a chart or a graph, what would it look like? To what extent does this match your idea of a successful or productive use of your time? Number nine, what have you done this week that you were proud of, no matter how simple it might sound? Number 10, 
Are there times you are unsure of what you are communicating to a patient or colleague? How do you deal with this? Number 11. If you could wave a magic wand and give yourself the insights, knowledge, dispositions, or skills you need in order to succeed this week, what would you give yourself? And number 12. What clever hacks, little-known tricks, or productivity boosts have you discovered lately? What might these be telling you about yourself, your patients, or your context? Again, the important question at the end of each set is always, what implications does this have for your practice? Reflection is an important process for any profession, yet it's important to acknowledge that healthcare providers are held to such high expectations that reflection can seem risky, as recent events in the UK illustrate. As Dr. Wyatt and I were talking, she wondered aloud, is reflection safe? If so, under what conditions? If not, under what conditions? Of course, no one can eliminate the stress and messiness of practice. Reflection, when critically oriented, is designed to press into the stress and messiness of practice, and not deny it. Whether you reflect with others, or alone in your thoughts, Intentional and systematic reflection is an irreplaceable, powerful tool that invites you to imagine other possible practices, roles, and relationships. If you are interested in reflecting on your language, why not start with your metaphors? I've written a workshop just for you that shows you how to break down the metaphors you use, understand their cognitive and affective aspects, and evaluate them in use. It's fast it's on demand, and it's right on healthcommunicationpartners.com. This has been 10 Minutes to Better Patient Communication. I'm Dr. Anne-Marie Liebel. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to 10 Minutes to Better Patient Communication from Health Communication Partners, LLC. Find us at healthcommunicationpartners.com.